Hi, welcome to Living Worship. Um, we're back again this week. We're talking about Jesus's ministry as um, John, the disciple, outlined it for us in the Gospel of John. Um, so, uh, by the way, may the fourth be with you. I got my, my Star Wars t-shirt on. Um, I'm a huge Star Wars junkie. And so this is always a fun day of the year for me. Bad Batch is out, and so I'm excited to um, partake in that. Um, but for now, we're looking in John chapter 9. So this is a very um, specific example of a miracle that Jesus gave that um, shows us really what Jesus's purpose was within these miracles. And so I'm going to provide some of this up front, and then we're going to dig into the scripture. So in the Bible, as we look at Jesus's ministry, there are always three reasons for every miracle that Jesus does. Um, so number one is to meet human needs, obviously. man, we're going to talk about today, he was blind. Jesus met that need because he cared about this man. Uh, the second reason that he gives is he uses it as an icebreaker to convey a deeper spiritual truth. Okay, and so not only did he heal the man that was born blind, but he showed the Pharisees that they were um, going too far in making the law about themselves and not about God, right? And he also, the blind man could now see, which was a spiritual truth that you believe on Jesus, you trust Jesus. He restores your spiritual sight, right? He heals the brokenness within us and, and saves us from sin when we put our faith in him, right? And so, and then third reason is to prove that he really is God, to prove that he is the Messiah. And of course, that is the biggest, most important reason. It is um, a evidence to show us that he really is who he says he is. And of course, every time he says, I am the son of God, I am God, uh, gets him to, into trouble. But he's not lying. He really was God. And so we're going to dig into the story, and it's going to start setting things up for the end. We're about halfway through John. Um, so let's pick it up. Did you know that someone goes blind about every 20 minutes? Well, this guy that we're about to talk about, he wasn't just someone who went blind. He was born blind. It was congenital. right? And so this was the greatest miracle here. And the miracle really wasn't that his eyes were healed, although that was pretty great. But the greatest miracle in this story is the fact that his heart was fixed. His heart was healed. And we can say the same about us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Our heart gets healed. That's the bigger miracle. That's what's most important. That's what Jesus cared about above all else. All right, so John chapter 9. We're going to read the first 12 verses. It says, As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming in the world, and I am the light of the world. Okay, so notice, they walk past this blind man, and immediately his disciples are like, Jesus, can you help him? They're not saying, Jesus, um, what can we do? What can we do? So not just what can you do, but what can we do to help him? Instead, they treat this man as a theological discussion. 
that's not right. This man is a real person loved by God, made in the image of God, and you're going to objectify him and reduce him to something as simple as an action? That's not how God sees us very clearly. And so Jesus says, you know, these things happen, but God is bigger than these things. All right, let's keep reading because there's way more to say this. So verse five, he says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And after he said these things, he spit in the ground. He made some mud from the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And so he left, he washed and he came back seeing. His neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit begging? Some said, He's the one. And others were saying, No, but he looks like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. And so they asked him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made some mud, spread it on my eyes, and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Well, where is this man? He, they asked. I don't know. He said, okay, so the disciples saw him as a theological discussion, something abstract, something hypothetical. Who cares about the real man, Jesus? We want answers. Who sinned? You know, not, not all sicknesses, not all diseases, not all disabilities come from sin. A lot of it comes from the fact that we just live in a broken world cursed by sin, but not necessarily sin. And so, um, but it was common in their culture. It wasn't biblical, but it was common for them to think that if you had any of those things, then you must have done something wrong for God to curse you. And that's not the case, not the case. And so disciples saw him as a theological discussion. The culture at large saw him as a sinful reject, right? He couldn't get a job. He couldn't take part in society. There were um, parts of the worship and the temple that he couldn't be involved in because of his disability. And, and so what does Jesus do? Instead of treating him like um, an outcast, instead of treating him like a hypothetical example with no value, he takes some dirt and some spit and he rubs the mud on the man's eyes, tells the man to go wash up, and then the man is healed. This is really important because every time, if you look through scripture, Jesus heals everybody a different way, even if they have the same ailment. He healed a few blind people in the four gospels, but every time he did it a different way. Why would he do that? Well, I'll tell you. It's because if he had done it the same way every time, people would have thought the power was in the actions. And they would have treated him more like a sorcerer or some kind of magical being that knows all the secret incantations and um, hand gestures to make a miracle happen. But in reality, it, it, none of those things really mattered with Jesus because it wasn't in the way that he healed. It was the fact that he was God and had the ability to heal because he is almighty God, creator of the entire universe. And so he changed it up every time to show us the power is not in what I'm doing. The power is in who I am. So this man, he goes, he washes up, he's healed, and people are astonished. And that's, that's humongous. But guess what today is on the day that Jesus heals this man? 
the Sabbath. All right, so we're going to get into it. All right, so we're going to keep reading verses 13 through 23. It says, They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. The day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was division among them. And again, they asked the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, they said. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind or received sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. And they asked them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How then does he now see? But we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, his parents answered. But we don't know how he now sees, and we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He can speak for himself. And his parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews, since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as the Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. This is why his parents said, he's of age. Ask him. So uh, when John says, the Jews... Most of the time, he's talking specifically about the Pharisees, and he uses the Jews as almost as a catch-all, sarcastic, derogatory kind of term. And so that's important for us as a reader to understand when he's using it, how he's using it, why he's using it. So the Pharisees are trying to get to the bottom of the matter. They don't like that this happened on the Sabbath, and so they want to figure out, okay, why this happened? Who did it? Okay, and so... This all kind of comes back to the fact that um, in the Ten Commandments, and we know it very well, hopefully you know it, that God said, take the Sabbath and keep it holy, okay, which means you need to make it a day of rest in honor of God, in honor of the way that he handled creation, even. But the Pharisees, who are, have now become the religious leaders during Jesus' time, they took everything a step further to the point where you were not allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. Everything, every action was essentially considered work. And so Jesus putting mud on this man's eyes and healing him, changing and turning his life around for the better forever, uh, to them was a serious cultural taboo. And so they conduct this investigation, um, and they were not wanting to praise Jesus for the wonderful thing that he did. They wanted to prosecute him. They wanted to punish him. Okay, and so um, who do they pull in then? Well, they, they talk to the blind man. They don't really believe him. They pull in the guy's parents, and the parents are honestly cowards. They don't stand with their son. They're not loyal. They're afraid of being excommunicated from the synagogue. And so they say, you know what? We're not going to stand with him. If you want your answer, go ask him and leave us alone. They're not interested in helping their own kid. They're more concerned with their own well-being. And see, in this society, if you were thrown out of church, right, you were essentially also thrown out of society at large because the way that God structured it, and it was a good thing, and Jesus came and he fulfilled it all, but at the time, right, your civic duties and your religious duties were mixed. And that was the society that they had been following since the days of Moses. 
And so if you lost one, you lost both. And it was really hard to live outside of that theological and cultural structure. And people did it. I mean, there were ways, but it was hard. It was hard being a Jewish person excommunicated from the synagogue. And so his parents chose safety rather than loyalty to their son. Let's keep going. So verse 24. So a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. All right, hold up. When they say give glory to God, they actually mean kind of similar to what we have today. Put your hand on the Bible and swear to tell the truth. Okay, like what we might do in a courtroom. All right, that's what this phrase here in Hebrew or um in Greek, I should say, actually means give glory to God. Put your hand on the Bible and tell the truth. There you go. We know that this man, meaning Jesus, is a sinner. And he answered them. Whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. And then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you this, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? So he's getting sarcastic with them, starting to be a little testy. I would be too. Okay, and so they make fun of him. They ridicule him. Verse 28, you are that man's disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he is from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. You were born entirely in sin, they replied, and you are trying to teach us? And then they threw him out, meaning they excommunicated him. So this is a great day in this man's life. Jesus saves him physically from blindness. He saves him spiritually from spiritual blindness and death. And then he gets thrown out of the temple for believing in Jesus. You know, this man could have chose disloyalty to Jesus too, just like his parents showed disloyalty to him. But instead, this man decided to stake his entire life on a person who he had never seen. Notice that he still has no idea what Jesus looks like. We'll get to it in just a couple verses, but he has never seen Jesus. Never experienced talking with Jesus for any kind of extended period. But he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew who had saved him. And he knew that it was worth it, worth anything that these Pharisees, these leaders could ever choose to do to him. So let's look at that. Verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He asked. Jesus answered, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, in order that those who do not see will see. And those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, We aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But 
Now that you say that we see, your sin remains. So Jesus came to save. But there's two sides to that because um, the very act that means that we get saved means that some people are going to get condemned to hell because they don't trust Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah come to die for sins and redeem humanity. And so there's two sides of it. I mean, Jesus came to save, but you have to put your faith and trust in him for order for that to take effect. And so those who choose not to repent and believe, they are condemned. I mean, that's just the way it is. And so what Jesus is saying here at the end, especially in the way that he's dealing with the Pharisees, the blind man could not see spiritually or physically, but the blind man put all of his trust in Jesus. And so to meet the man's needs and to provide a deeper spiritual truth for us, he healed the man's eyes and he healed the man's heart. He was spiritually, he could see. I mean, he could see for the first time in real life too, you know, like he had never seen his parents before. And his parents denied him, did not stand by him, but he could see. He could see spiritually too. He knew who was worthy of his praise and his trust. The Pharisees, on the other hand, the religious leaders, the ones who were supposed to know God's word and lead God's people in correct living and worship to God, instead had complicated the law and turned it all on themselves so that the spotlight was squarely on them. And they claimed to know everything. They claimed to be such experts that people could only come to them for the answers. What happened? Jesus said, because you claim to know everything, and you will not learn from me. You are clearly blind, and therefore you're not going to be saved. If you maintain that attitude of blindness, of stubbornness, of not recognizing God for who he is and what he's doing in your life, you're not saved. That is what he is saying. These Pharisees, they want to know do they do we have a place in your kingdom, Jesus? What what do you say about us? Jesus says, You you're not listening. You refuse to see, and therefore you stand condemned. So let's think for a second. Here's my challenge to you this week. If you had to choose between Jesus and friends, family, maybe even your church, life security, financial security. What would you decide, Jesus or everything else? The blind man chose Jesus and he lost everything. The blind man's parents chose security, chose the synagogue. They got to have everything. But if this story, and this is the last we hear from them, if it didn't change afterwards, they gained the world, but they lost their souls because they put their trust in the wrong part. So where are you? What would you pick? What have you picked? Where are your priorities? If you don't know Jesus, you need to know him. If you do know Jesus, but you're not all in, you need to get committed today. All right, you need to make that happen because it is so vitally important to your well-being, not just physical, but spiritual. 
because you need the kind of spiritual sight that Jesus gave to this blind man. Thank you for joining me today for Living Worship. Um, if you like these videos or if you're on audio, um, make sure that you rate and review and you like, you share and subscribe and you do all those kinds of things. Um, the viewership is going up. I'm really pleased to see that. Um, but let's keep it going. And not that I, once again, not that I want to be some kind of famous YouTuber, but I believe the simple truth of God's word is important enough that it needs to get out there into the bigger, wider world and it needs to be accessible. And that's what we're all about on this channel. So thank you so much and have a good Thursday. Bye.